0: In our curious democracy, you've got the commander in chief, the executive, and the sovereign. In this American system, the sovereign is the people, the people rule. The executive is something else the White House and all the Article II of the Constitution agencies. The commander in chief is just that the top of the pyramid in the military chain of command. The U.S. president is this constitutional boss of the military and the executive. But the people are supposed to decide when we go to war through our elected representatives in Congress, officially declaring it. We've clearly evolved far from that system. If the commander-in-chief can order certain military operations short of war, why does the president need Congress to approve an intervention in Syria? And whatever Congress decides in the coming days, will the people have really spoken on the Syria crisis? We turn to Jennifer Weber, professor of history at the University of Kansas, author of Copperheads, The Rise and Fall of Lincoln's Opponents in the North. Professor, welcome back. Hi, John. Nice to be here. Let's talk about the perils and just how the uh, question of consulting on national security issues has evolved between the president and Congress since the days of Lincoln. It's, It's really been all over the map.
1: Uh, it really has. What what you see is um, that presidents no longer go to Congress and ask for declarations of war. Since World War II, since the end of World War II, they have gone to Congress and asked for um, use for permission of use of force, not a war declaration. In fact, our last formal declaration of war was World War II.
0: And in this authorization business, does it lead to more problems? I mean, the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution, of course, was an open-ended authorization for for force in Vietnam, 2003 in Iraq. Similarly, Uh, did President Lincoln get approval for the use of force in the Civil War?
1: Well, that is... Uh, that was a strange situation, because it was a civil war, and if he he could not really ask for a declaration of war because that would be acknowledging the Confederacy as an independent nation, so there was never an open declaration of war, but of course, Congress funded everything that he asked for and passed any number of laws that allowed the United States to continue fighting that war but it was a it was an odd situation there with how to handle that semantically and legally
0: and th- there will be questions of funding here as well as Congress begins to debate what uh, will be the intervention if any in Syria do presidents go to congress for the authorization for the use of force as a way of projecting greater democratic sort of resolve in national security? Or is it for political cover to get them off the hook?
1: Well, I, th- I think that they are legally required to do this now under the War Powers Act, which uh, came about after the Vietnam War, uh, because the, the Congress realized that it had gone way too far with the Gulf of Tonkin resolution in granting the president what was essentially a blank check.
0: But it doesn't appear that the president had to do this. He overrode his own national security team who had no idea he was even going to do this. They certainly didn't have any expectation that he had to do this. It's never really been decided whether a president has to uh, you know, go to Congress to be commander in chief. There's a built in tension.
1: Well, you're right. And there really hasn't been a court case on this at this point it's custom as much as uh as anything i would say uh but there is you know there's just there's an ongoing strain between congress and the executive branch and the founders designed the government intentionally that way and so there's always um this to and fro between the executive branch and Congress about who has the power to do what. Now, the Constitution gives Congress the power to declare war. That is in the Constitution. So this um, authorization of power is somewhat different because it is not a declaration of war. And how this fits into the Constitution uh, or how constitutional it is is the subject of some debate among legal scholars.
0: Jennifer Weber, what do you think of this move, just as a citizen and a historian and an observer of the Obama presidency? Is it uh, opening a can of worms or or brilliance? Uh,
1: Going into Syria?
0: Yes. They're asking Congress to approve it.
1: Asking Congress. I think it's a very smart idea because, first of all, This is our tradition, at least. If it's not the law, it is certainly our tradition at this point that the president asks for permission to use force. Now, Obama really didn't do that um, when we went into Libya. So that was a bit of a change. But this this is more in line with what we have traditionally done. So that's good. The other thing that I think um, is perhaps an opportunity is. If he is getting cold feet about this idea of taking military action in Syria in light of the public response to this, um, if Congress says no, that gives him cover for not taking military action.
0: He's, He's absolutely off the hook. Jennifer Weber is a professor of history at the University of Kansas and author of Copperheads, The Rise and Fall of Lincoln's Opponents in the North. Thanks so much. Sure. Thank you. Later this hour, Senator John McCain on the way forward in Syria. What about you? What do you think? At the takeaway.org, Mary Alice Strom from Maryville, Washington, listening on KSER, writes, I emphatically say no to any military action, although it does appear from what I am hearing on the radio and TV that Assad is the one who used the gas on his people in my mind, I have not yet heard something that will make me feel certain. Also, I have uncertainty of what good bombing will do. Put your view up against members of Congress. Give us a call at eight seven seven eight my take